Welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Bookstores, libraries, and coffee shops are great places for book readings. There is something extraordinary about hearing the voice of an author reading their stories. Their voice and intonation are nuanced by the many hours of effort putting pen to paper. They created the characters, structured the plot, and lived every twist and turn that creates bumps in the storyline. Public libraries and bookstores have expanded their reach into a global community. Book readings have gone virtual. We are learning to embrace technology in new ways. Welcome to the podcast series, Authors Reading Their Books, which brings authors and their books from across the world to your home. I invite you to put the kettle on and join the conversation on Tea, Toast, and Trivia. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I am looking forward to sharing this moment with you. I am delighted that Catherine Cavendish has graciously agreed to be our guest author reading from her novel, The Haunting of Henderson Close. Welcome, Cat, and thank you for joining me on the TTT Virtual Reading Room. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Lovely to be back with you. In the depths of Edinburgh, an evil presence is released. You bring me to the edge of my seat. The story evolves slowly and meticulously and with such horror and dread that you're carried along this wonderful storyline and you think, I know the ending, but I never do. You always surprise me with every ending you have. Thank you very much because that's always my intention. (laughs) I tend to do a lot of research to absorb the atmosphere. So, for example, Henderson Close that we're going to be looking at. I've been to Edinburgh so many times. I've been to the real Mary King's Close. I absorb that atmosphere. And then when I'm writing about it, I project myself back into the place that I was when I was soaking up that atmosphere. Knowledge of what was going on and what life was like and what the smells and the sounds and everything else were like at the time. Because that's another thing I find is so important. It's not enough to just read the facts. When I was doing research for Henderson Close, I wanted to know what the smells were like. And of course, they were pretty vile, let's face it. Um, The whole atmosphere of Henderson Close and all the closes around there in the Georgian and Victorian times and even right up to the early 20th century when they finally closed them was, was absolutely vile because everything used to pour down the street. So you need that. And you need that also, the, just the feeling of how cold it was, whether it was damp, just absorbing all of that. Once I've got all that in my head, skipping from the present into the past, going into the past is a happy zone. It's my comfort zone. I love it.
Listen to Cat's voice take you to Edinburgh with her atmospheric novel, The Haunting of Henderson Close. Be prepared. You will feel the approaching dread of horror. I have the lights on. I am ready to hear what we are going to be doing in Henderson Close. This is the novel that opened my mind and heart to gothic horror. So thank you, Kat. Now, we're going to hear from the beginning of The Haunting of Henderson Close. Just before I do that, by way of introduction, let me read you what you find on the back cover of the book. Ghosts have always walked there. Now they're not alone. In the haunted depths of Henderson Close, workmen demolish a wall, releasing an evil presence. Hannah and her colleagues are tour guides who lead their visitors along the spooky, derelict close, thrilling them with tales of spectres and murder. But now the legends become all too real. The beast they call the Old Deal is out, and even the spirits are afraid. And the first extract you're going to hear is Hannah's first day, which is the present day. You have to remember, Hannah, people didn't live underground in Henderson Close. It was only built over after the last of them had left. Hannah screwed up her nose as she stared around her. A dark street, tenements on both sides, claustrophobically close, soared upward, only to be abruptly cut off by the foundations of the newer building above. They certainly lived close together in those days, Hannah said. If they'd leaned out of their window, they could have shaken hands with the person living opposite. Beneath her feet, the street was pockmarked with holes and littered with loose stones. At least it was dry, though, which is more than it would have been back in the time when Henderson Close was a bustling, filthy hive of activity. Ailsa, the general manager, went on. Of course, in the old days, you would have needed to pick your way very carefully along here. As you can see, it's quite steep, and you would have met all sorts of rubbish washing down the gutters. I can imagine. Hannah followed Ailsa up the silent street, clutching at the handrail for support. Sensible, Ailsa said. I always advise my visitors to hang on. It's quite gloomy down here, and so uneven. I've tripped a few times myself, and I know where the potholes are. Hannah laughed. Above her, Someone had hung Victorian-style shirts and a couple of sheets on a line stretching across the street. Ailsa kept up a running commentary while Hannah concentrated on trying to memorise her surroundings and the stories associated with each location. She would be given a script later and would need to perfect her role. Each of the Henderson Close tour guides portrayed a character known to have lived there at some stage some at the top of society and some very much on the bottom rung. 
Hannah would start next week dressed as Mary Stratton, English housekeeper to Sir William Henderson, an 18th century banker and philanthropist after whom the close was named. For Hannah, newly arrived in Edinburgh from her native Salisbury, this was her dream job, even if the pay wasn't up to much. Ailsa stopped outside an open door. Now this is a significant stop for you. Sir William Henderson lived here with his wife and two daughters. Hannah appeared inside a workshop which contained all the trappings of a Victorian printer. Elsa continued. Obviously, Sir William and his family would have lived higher up the building, so their quarters were destroyed when the redevelopment began in the late 1890s. The lower down the pecking order you were, the closer you lived to the stink of the street. Everything got poured down there, and I mean everything. Then you had chimneys belching out clouds of filthy, stinking smoke that coated the whole city with black soot. No wonder Edinburgh earned its old nickname of Old Reeky. The effluent ended up in the Nor lot, didn't it? Hannah had read about the disgusting foul lake. Yes, that's right. Along with all the so-called witches they dumped or drowned. They drained it in the early 1800s and constructed Prince's Gardens. You wouldn't think that what it had been when you look at all the lovely flowers, would you? Hannah smiled. Maybe that's the reason the flowers are so lovely. Hannah gave a light laugh. You're probably right. They moved off. Ailsa pointed out places of interest along the way. Once she told them a couple of anecdotes about Sir William and old Murdoch MacLean, whose printing shop you were looking at, move your guests often round this corner. Ailsa turned to the right. Just around here you'll see where Miss Carmichael was viciously slain. You can make a fair meal of this. She stopped. Now, look down. What do you see? The light wasn't bright, but Hannah could make out a dark stain. Elsa lowered her voice. Miss Carmichael's blood. Hannah said, really? Probably not, but it makes a good story. The guests love a ghost story, and Miss Carmichael is the perfect subject. Little is known about her. What we do know is in the notes, but we're fairly certain that this is the spot where she was beaten, robbed and kicked to death by a gang of four ruffians. Three of them were captured and hanged. The fourth escaped and was never apprehended. It is said to this day, Miss Carmichael wanders this street looking for her murderer and demanding justice. Hannah shivered. Elsa laughed. That's exactly the reaction you want. It is pretty gruesome, Hannah said. Mind you, the creepy environment helps. So quiet here. Eerie. Especially just here. The two stood in silence for a few seconds. The stillness lay between them in the gloom. Hannah swallowed, feeling an almost uncontrollable urge to move on but not wanting her new employer to think she was spooked. She forced herself to stand motionless, as Elsa was doing, listening. When Elsa finally spoke, Hannah jumped. You can't hear any traffic from above, Elsa said, so it's pretty creepy. I've often felt as if someone was behind me, but when I turned, 
There's been no one there. She paused again. Was she looking for some reaction? Hannah concentrated on breathing steadily. It always calmed her in fraught situations. Maybe it was some sort of test. The place was eerie, and no doubt there were guests whose imaginations began to run away with them. It wouldn't do for the tour guide to be the nervy type. Elsa exhaled. Okay, come on. I want to show you Eliza's room. She's another character you can get some mileage out of. The manager led the way further down the dark, narrow street. An unexpected ripple of cold air ruffled Hannah's hair and she shivered. You'll get used to that, Elsa said. All sorts of unexplained drafts and sudden chills. Sometimes even smells and not always pleasant either. If you shut your eyes sometimes, you could almost believe you were there. Back in the days when it would have been a seething mass of humanity. Hannah smiled and wished she meant it. That chill had been strange. Almost as if someone had breathed cold air on her. Now we move forward a few days. And Hannah has been practising. She's almost ready for the big first day. You certainly look the part. Elsa straightened Hannah's white cap and stood back. Yes, every inch the 18th century housekeeper newly arrived from London, Mrs Mary Stratton. Whatever happened to Mr Stratton, I wonder, and amused. He probably never existed. Mary would have been given the courtesy title of Mrs. Same applied to the cooks. He didn't find too many married servants in the 1700s. Hannah drew a sharp intake of breath. Nerves? Elsa asked. Hannah nodded. It feels like a flock of butterflies are die-bombing my stomach. Elsa laid a hand on her arm. You'll be fine. We've all been there. Just treat this dress rehearsal as, as if we were normal paying visitors. You know your part and you know the anecdotes and the history of the close. Just relax into your role and let Mary Stratton take over. Hannah had an almost hysterical desire to laugh. Sounds like a case of demonic possession. Elsa smiled. You'll soon get the hang of it. Come up to the gift shop and we can get started. We open in just over an hour, so there'll be just enough time for the tour. Hannah inhaled and picked up a long skirt as she followed Elsa up the stairs. A small group of ten people was waiting for her. Some were familiar, some not, but all were her new colleagues and they would assess her performance before she was let loose on the general public the following day. All the rehearsing, research and practice had been leading up to this. Anna said a silent prayer, moistened her lips and began. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I trust your journey here was a pleasant one. Smiles and murmurings greeted this. My name is Mrs Stratton, Mrs Mary Stratton, and I have the honour to be housekeeper to Sir William Henderson, who owns a private bank and also prides himself on his good works, something we all know bankers like to engage in. A ripple of laughter killed at least three of Hannah's butterflies. But 
bit more of him a little later. For now, I want to take you down the stairs underground to a secret world known as Henderson Close. Please follow me and do take care to hold the handrails. The close is inclined to be uneven and we wouldn't want any accidents. Medicine was a little primitive in the 18th century and I'm advised that we're clean out of leeches. More giggles. Hannah led her group through a door at the back of the shop and down a flight of stone stairs. At the bottom, she steered them past some shattered old wooden doors and into a room devoid of any furniture, whitewashed and illuminated only by a few flickering candle lamps hanging on the wall. Hannah took up her position in the centre of the room and began the story of Eliza McTavish. She and her family of eight children and a ne'er-do-well husband lived in this one room. They cooked here, babies were born here, ate here, slept here and even died here. Eliza birthed 16 children lying on a meagre mattress that was stuffed with hay. On cue, a corner of the room lit up gloomily to reveal a lifelike waxwork of a sickly-looking woman, her face frozen in an agony of childbirth. She wore a filthy grain shift streaked with blood and lay on one side on the straw mattress Hannah had just described. The light shut off. One of Hannah's male colleagues piped up. Where did they go to the bathroom? Hannah pointed to a bucket in another corner of the room. Ugh, the man said, echoed by his fellow guests. Yes, indeed, sir. Ugh. Although after a little while, they do say you get used to it. More laughter greeted this. Hannah gave an inward cheer as 12 more of her butterflies fluttered to the ground. Outwardly, she wrinkled her nose and shuddered and slowly moved back to the far wall. The year was 1645 and plague spread through the streets of the old town. As always, it hit the poorest first. Those who lived at street level, amid the vermin and the filth. She pressed a button behind her and the silhouettes of two enormous rats flashed up onto the wall her guests were facing. A couple of them gasped and laughter erupted. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Hannah said lowering her voice to add gravitas. The rats came and brought the fleas with their deadly gift of bubonic plague. Poor Eliza McTavish caught it. Soon she was gripped by a violent fever. Chills. She coughed up bloody phlegm and then at the last her body erupted in massive boils called buboes. Pretty soon her children started showing similar symptoms. Right as she lay dying in her bed, they called in the plague doctor. Another press of the button and the rat scurried away to be replaced by an eight foot high profile of a frightening looking creature sporting a floor length cloak, hood and an enormous curved beak like some gargantuan crow. Gasps and nervous laughter echoed around the whitewashed room and Hannah marvelled at how authentically her colleagues performed their current roles. 
Here's some looking figure, isn't he? Yet he was a courageous, uh, somewhat foolhardy man called Dr. Philip MacIver. He believed that by stuffing that beak with sweet-smelling herbs, he would keep the plague at bay. You see, it was thought that this plague and noxious fumes went hand in hand. And while there is a grain of truth in there somewhere, no one had actually thought to ask the rats about their involvement. Needless to say, poor Dr MacIver perished of the plague soon after. And as you can imagine, there was no great rush of applicants for the position he'd vacated. The group was firmly on Hannah's side. She could almost believe they were real members of the public. All her stage fright had evaporated and she was enjoying herself and ready to deliver the reveal. So, what became of poor Eliza and her family, you may ask? Hannah paused as she had rehearsed so many times. She counted to five. Go on then, ask. The group laughed. Elsa put up her hand. What became of Eliza and her family? I'm glad you asked that question, madam. Hannah made a gathering gesture with her hands and the group moved closer. She looked around her before lowering her voice to conspiratorial sage whisper. They do say that her neighbours were scared they too would succumb. So, late one night, while everyone else was in bed, a group of them gathered out there in the close. They came armed with wood and sturdy nails and boarded up poor Eliza's room so none could escape. The cries of poor Eliza faded away after a couple of days, but it took nearly a month before the last child's cry was heard. Now, what do you suppose that child lived on for all those weeks? Ratatouille! Hannah jokingly rounded on the light-hearted male heckler with the ginger hair. Ah, I see you are a man of discernment, well-versed in the culinary arts, sir. Maybe you're right. Maybe he feasted on something that tasted a little more like pork. Laughter, exclamations and mock disgust and a few nods showed Hannah she had delivered her lines well. Now, good people, we must hasten away to the house where I reside and I will tell you how Henderson Close came by its name. Please be careful, the ground is more uneven here. Hannah led her group through a narrow doorway, down to the left, and they stopped outside a tenement with a partially open door leading into Murdoch McLean's print shop. Are we all here? Hannah began a head count, but caught a glimpse of a woman disappearing around a corner further up the close. Hannah called out to her. No, madam, it's this way, if you please. we we'll go there later. She was aware of puzzled looks among the group. Elsa spoke up. It's okay, we're all here. Hannah counted. Ten. Well, I definitely saw someone go down there. I'd better check. Maybe a visitor managed to get in before opening time. Please, ladies and gentlemen, wait here for a moment. Hannah set off. I'll come with you, Elsa said, just in case. If there's anyone down here that shouldn't be, I'll deal with them. Within a few seconds, Hannah and Elsa had rounded the corner. The short passageway contained closed doors, each of which they checked. Locked, Elsa said, 
exactly as they should be. In less than a minute, they had reached the brick wall blocking up the rest of the passageway. This used to be an alley, Hannah said, recognition flashing into her mind. Ailsa pointed to the perpetual dark stain on the ground. Not just any alley, either. Hannah shivered. Miss Carmichael. Ailsa smiled. Looks like you've had the perfect initiation. For the second extract, we're quite a way further into the book. Hannah has had a number of increasingly disturbing and frightening experiences involving the ghosts of Henderson Close, who include a little girl called Isabel. Hannah shut her apartment door behind her. Peace, quiet and normality at last. She put her bag on the hall table and slipped her coat off. In the living room, she made straight for a bottle of burgundy, uncorked it and poured herself a large glass. She kicked off her shoes, sank into the comfort of her sofa, leaned back and closed her eyes, enjoying the smooth, rich wine and a chance to rest her aching feet. Half a glass later, she stirred herself. Time to get a relaxing bath, change into a comfy caftan and fix herself a sandwich. She couldn't face a cooked meal tonight. It felt good to slip into the warmth of the fragrant suds. Her fears and confusion seemed to melt into insignificance as she inhaled the soothing aroma. She leaned against the edge as the water gently lapped her body. From behind closed eyes, she sensed the room growing darker. That shouldn't be. Her eyes snapped open. She wasn't imagining it. The room was growing darker, as if someone was depressing a dimmer switch. Only she hadn't got one. It, it couldn't be the bulb. They just snapped off when they went or, or were switched off. Besides, there was no one in her apartment apart from her. Hannah stepped out of her bath. She wrapped her toweling robe around her and padded out into the hall. All the lights had dimmed so that she was in a half light. In the bedroom, shadows covered half the room. Unnatural shadows that writhed and twisted. No, it couldn't have followed. It mustn't. Whatever it was belonged in Henderson Close, not here. Out of the corner of her eye, Hannah caught a movement. Too swift to be human, it shot across her peripheral vision. She stepped out into the hall. No sign of anyone or anything. She crept along and into the living room. The smell hit her at the doorway. Lavender. An old lady's smell. The sort of scent Miss Carmichael might have worn. Miss Carmichael. Is anyone there? The scent wafted stronger than ever. Darkness crept across the room, spreading like a cloak. Miss Carmichael, are you there? 
the darkness settled, Hannah tried the light switch. Nothing. She flicked it twice, three times. Still nothing. We're, we're trying to help you, Miss Carmichael. We're, we're trying to find your killer. I think I know who it is, but we need your help. He isn't like... What? Not like a normal ghost. The lights came up all at once. Hannah was left shaking her head in disbelief. Finally daring to move, she returned to the bedroom and dressed quickly. She ditched the caftan in favour of more practical jeans and jumper. Back in the living room, she rescued a glass of wine, topped it up and glanced out of the window at the rain-swept street beneath. The street lamps lit up patches of the shiny surface and under one, a figure moved into the lights. Hannah gasped. The woman stared up at her, her wire-framed glasses glinting. She raised her hand and beckoned to Hannah. Without hesitation, without a thought, Hannah dashed out into the hall, thrust her feet into her winter boots, arms into her warm coat, grabbed her keys and left. She tore down the stairs and out through the front door in time to see the figure slowly moving along the deserted street. Hannah raced to catch up with her, but however slowly the woman moved, she couldn't reach her. She followed the silent figure down the high street, stopping at the entrance to Henderson Close. The woman turned and looked at her, her face expressionless. She vanished. Hannah continued to stare after her, unsure what she was meant to do next. Maybe the woman would return. Miss Carmichael. The temperature continued to drop until it had to be hovering around freezing. Hannah's feet and hands were growing numb. Still nothing. She must go home or freeze to death. In her apartment, the warmth of the central heating greeted her at the door. But in the bedroom, the chill turned her breath to vapour. A small figure in a dirty white shift faced the window. The hair on Hannah's neck bristled. Who, who are you? What, what, are you, what are you doing here? The girl said nothing. She continued to face out of the room. I said, who are you? What do you want here? As if in slow motion, the girl slowly turned. Anna cried out. The child had no face. She kept on turning, her movements graceful as a ballerina on a music box, until she faced the window again. Anna stood trembling. Her eyes must be deceiving her, but she knew they weren't. The little girl spread her arms wide. In one hand, she clutched an old rag doll, Isabel's rag doll. She dropped it and soared through the closed window. Hannah crouched down, half expecting the doll to disappear. It didn't. She picked it up, noting how grubby it looked, how worn and patched. 
At some stage, this doll had received some serious damage. It had to be the same one, and the girl had to be Isabel. How and why were different matters entirely. Hannah laid the doll on her bedside chair. What could she do with it? Throwing it away could not be an option. The girl might come back for it. Probably would if she could. But the thought of living with it, seeing it every time she opened her eyes. No. Hannah steeled herself to pick the doll up again. She carried it out into the hall and opened a large fitted cupboard where she stored all manner of things not needed every day. She cleared a space next to the Christmas tree and laid the doll down. She closed the door firmly and went back into the bedroom. No sign of the little girl, but she knew she wouldn't sleep that night. Thank you for joining me, Kat. I really appreciate our time together and your special way of reading your book. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun, Rebecca, and thank you so much for inviting me back. And uh, yes, it was lovely to go back down to Henderson Close. Happy haunting. Don't have too many nightmares. And do remember, read more scary stories. You know you want to. You can't help yourself. Until the next time, on the dark side, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining Kat and me on Tea, Toast and Trivia, authors reading their books. And a very special thank you, Kat, for reading from The Haunting of Henderson Close. Listeners, I invite you to meet up with Kat on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, Amazon, and her website and blog, Catherine Cavendish. You are only an internet click from being swept away on a haunting adventure. Until next time we meet, dear friends, safe travels wherever your adventures lead you.